The only problem is that the only thing that you're really allowed to do there is walk on the trail. And I kind of found out the hard way. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. In this episode, we'll hear from Linda McGurk, a writer from Sweden who grew up with an almost overwhelming love of the outdoors. That's just how I was raised. You get outside every day, regardless of the weather. In Sweden, all preschool children are actually entitled to outdoor play. It's in the national curriculum. And recess is always outside, unless, you know, there's a realistic chance of uh, death by lightning, more or less. Linda thought that love of nature would be easy to pass along to her children someday. But then she met and married an American. Initially, they set up shop in Montana. But they wanted to be closer to her husband's family when they had their own kids. That meant moving to rural Indiana. You know, coming from Montana, where everybody was sort of out riding their bikes, walking and hiking, doing all this outdoorsy stuff. And then we came to Indiana where literally I did not see anybody on foot, like ever. It was a bit of a shock at first. And I would walk our dog. We had a black lab at the time. And I would walk her through town and I just wouldn't see people. I would just see cars driving by. When we had our first daughter, it was like a full-out freak show, because now I had not only my two black labs, now I had a, a stroller and my daughter in there, and I would walk, even in cold temperatures, you know, snow, sleet, rain, it didn't bother me. Especially in the winter time, it happened on several occasions, that people took pity on me because they did not think that I really wanted to be out in the cold. I had a lady stop as I took my daughter to the babysitter's house one day. There was some snow on the ground. I want to say it was maybe around 15, 10 or 15 degrees Fahrenheit. And to me, that was not a big deal, but she drove by and she slowed down and she rolled down her window and she had this concerned look on her face. And she said, "Hun, do you want, would you like a ride? And I said, no, no thanks, you know, I'm, I'm good. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, it's really, it's okay. I, I like the fresh air and we're dressed for the cold and no problem. She just had this puzzled look on her face and she drove off and she's like, okay. That was not the last time a stranger would take pity on me. I even had people take take my picture, and I don't know how many times I had people tell me, you know, hey, I wish I had a camera. When they saw me walking with the dogs and the stroller, and then as I had another child, I bought one of those little stroller platforms that you put behind the stroller so that my older child could stand. So it was it was quite the spectacle. That's such a weird thing to tell someone that I wish I had a camera to take a picture of you, like when you're just going out on a walk. That's so (laughs) weird to me. (laughs) Right? Right. Yeah, I, I really felt like an exotic animal at the zoo. 
It wasn't just walking in all types of weather that set Linda apart in Indiana. When her daughters were very little, they spent more time in the cold than most American babies. When the baby is a week or two, you start having them nap outside. And this is in the winter as well. So you bundle them up and you might take them for a walk and then you might park them behind your house. You might park the stroller, you know, outside and go back in and and put a baby monitor out there. And that's how a lot of babies nap in Scandinavia. But that was one of those things that I was actually a little bit afraid to, like, I did not advertise that I did this. It was something that I started doing with my oldest when she was about two weeks old, and she was born in February in Indiana, which is still cold. You know, I just had this gnawing feeling that this would be frowned upon, if not worse. You know, I I could totally see somebody calling CPS. Concerned neighbors, child protective services, and these weren't the only things getting between her kids and the outdoors. Even though we live in rural Indiana, you think, I mean, we're surrounded by beautiful woods and this is ag country. I mean, there's cornfields and soybean fields, but when you start thinking about which places that you actually have access to, it turns out there's not a whole lot. I mean, most of it, the vast majority is privately owned and there's not a lot of public land here. You can't really go hiking in a cornfield. The public spaces that we do have are a lot more restricted than I was used to in Sweden. We have a nature preserve here in the area, for example. It's this nature preserve with a couple of little loops just a couple of miles long and a creek that runs through it. The only problem is that the only thing that you're really allowed to do there is walk on the trail. And I kind of found out the hard way. It was Memorial Day. Linda's daughters were seven and four. It was a a beautiful day, sunny and warm, and I took my daughters to this nature preserve, just a 10-minute drive from our house, and we've gone there many times before, since it's one of the few public nature areas nearby. We started hiking down the loop through this deciduous forest. There's this nice little creek that meanders through the park. You know, a lot of times I've let the kids sort of go down to the creek and either skip some rocks or sometimes they would strip down to their underwear and jump in, which is what they did on on this day because it was pretty humid too and hot. So they just followed the little trails that go down to the water and and jumped in and and I sat there and, and watched them for a while and after about half an hour We packed up and they got their clothes back on and and we we finished the loop, came back to the trailhead in the parking lot and there was a a brown DNR vehicle there. In Indiana, DNR stands for the Department of Natural Resources. My oldest daughter, she'd she'd run ahead of me because I was waiting for my younger daughter to get down from a rock. So my daughter, my oldest daughter came running back to me and she said, there's an There's a police officer here. He says we can't swim in the creek. 
I thought she had misunderstood because I've been going to this preserve for 10 years and I've never seen a sign about not getting in the water. Basically, he told me he was going to give us a fine and and I was just dumbfounded. I, I, first of all, did not realize that we had done anything wrong. There is a sign, you know, at the trailhead that says not to leave the trail, but there are already several well-trodden trails that lead down to the water. And even so, I just did not think that just getting in the water would really harm anything. He basically told us that we'd been lucky that he hadn't added more infractions onto our ticket. He had just fined us for unauthorized swimming, I believe is what the official charge was and we could either show up and pay our fine or um, there was a court date in case we wanted to fight the charge. I kept asking him, you know, why why is it that we can't go in the creek? And he said, well, and he gave me these various explanations that were, you know, some of them seemed to be to protect us. He said that rocks could be slippery or he said there was E. coli in the water from the farms upstream. Manure gets in the water and, and so, you know, kids can get sick. And since my kids had been in the water several times before, I didn't, I mean, I didn't think that the E. coli issue was really, I mean, it wasn't like they were gulping down the water, you know, they were just sort of playing in it. Frankly, the, the place has never really been the same to me after that, because they were kind of shocked too. They were just wondering, you know, mom, what, what's going on? Like why, we were just playing in the creek. Like why is this police officer <laughs> coming after us? I was angry at the officer, angry at the rules, angry at everything. This conservation officer and I, I felt like we should have been on the same team. Like I always pick up trash when I go to this preserve and we help wildlife whenever we can. Like we had just that same day stopped and helped a box turtle cross the road. Cause a lot of people actually just try and run over them. He told me the only thing you're allowed to do at this preserve is walk on the trail. That's it. And I felt like if that's the case, then I, you know, I don't think I want to come back with my kids because just walking on the trail is not, that's not really that meaningful to young children. They need more interaction. And when the rules are so strict that you can't even let them wait in a creek, then that makes it very hard for them to have any sort of meaningful experience. They're not going to want to just hike the trail for the scenery. That's not how toddlers, you know, like to experience nature. After that, Linda had to drive her kids across the border into Illinois to find the nearest park where they could hike and play in the water. But soon, she ended up taking the girls a bit farther than that. For six months, they moved back to Linda's hometown in Sweden. There, the entire community encouraged them to play outside. The kids left for school each day with all the outdoor gear they'd possibly need to have wild adventures, like Linda had growing up. So my daughter, she would go outside and play with her friends every day at preschool. She had been pretty 
reluctant despite my efforts here at home to go out especially in more like inclement weather you know if it's 70 and sunny yeah no problem but she has always been a little hesitant to the sort of all-weather play but I noticed a big difference in her once once she got used to being outside with her friends her attitude started to change too and my older daughter you know even though the kids have the same electronics as they do over here you know you would still see kids playing outside they got pretty creative with their outdoor time and they would go out and build forts and play in the woods and just make up games. But when they moved back to Indiana, Linda had trouble keeping that culture alive. After we came back, it just kind of, it kind of reverted to what it had been before we left. And it happened within just a few weeks. I kind of went back into this role of always trying to cheer them on to go outside and me going out there with them, trying to be this sort of outdoor play cheerleader. Like, let's go to the creek or let's go for a bike ride. Linda started her blog, Rain or Shine Mama, to try and bridge the gap between cultures. So I guess I felt kind of lonely in my quest for creating this childhood for my children that I had myself. So the blog was partly a way for me to express myself and share in that journey. I, I wanted to also try and create sort of a community or network and find like-minded people through the blog. She also talks through these ideas with the girls. They are six and nine years old now. So I think they're sort of old enough to have that conversation. Fortunately, they, they do still enjoy being outside. It just takes more effort on my part. I think there have been many little moments. I feel like that every time we're outside and they, you know, will lift a rock and they get like super excited about just finding a beetle that they've never seen before. Like the fact that my oldest daughter is now nine and a half years old. She just recently got her first cell phone. You know, that's super, that's a novelty to her now. That's super interesting and all that, but she can still go out there and find a little beetle under an old log and have this sense of wonder about it. Our storyteller was Linda McGurk. In a happy twist of fate, she never had to pay that fine for letting her daughters play in the creek. When she went to the courthouse, the clerk couldn't find it in their records. Linda's new book is There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather, a Scandinavian mom's secrets for raising healthy, resilient, and confident kids. And you can find a link to Linda's Rain or Shine Mama blog at our website, humannaturepodcast.org. I'm Caroline Ballard. Human Nature is produced by Annie Osborne, Aaron Jones, and Alana Elder. Our digital producer is Anna Rader, and our senior producer is Micah Schweitzer. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's Human Nature.